Welcome to The Advance, a podcast on moving towards Christ-like maturity. This podcast takes time to look at how we can posture ourselves to grow in our walk with Christ. It would really help me out if you could share it with your friends and take some time to review it on whatever platform you are either viewing it or hearing it on. Thank you so much and be blessed today. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Advanced Podcast. My name is Donovan. I'm a pastor in Edmonton, Alberta, and it is an honor that you have chosen to allow me to speak into and be a part of your journey in following Jesus. Uh, Today's going to be a bit of a different episode. I don't know about you, but the last few weeks with everything going on, I know here in Alberta, the restrictions on uh, gatherings have changed, and there's been a lot of different uh, realities that have been happening these last few weeks with the COVID crisis. And, uh, and honestly, it's gotten me quite busy. So uh, I haven't been able to set up any interviews this week. But I had the uh, privilege of speaking a few weeks ago at my church. And uh, I just wanted to share that sermon with all of you listeners, because I really believe that, um, yeah, I really believe that God was revealing something special to me about the fruit of the Spirit and about living a life of dependence on the Holy Spirit and allowing that to be what shapes you and what moves you, um, and and how we express what Christ wants us to as his followers in the world. And so uh, hopefully you're blessed today as uh, you hear that. But before we get into that, I wanted to share, I, I do want to give you all something really practical each podcast. And um, now that there's nothing in the sermon, I think there's a lot in the sermon. But uh, before we get to the sermon, what I wanted to do was just talk to you about a practice that's been really sustaining for me throughout uh, this crisis, something that I've been doing each month that um, has been really giving me life and really helping me to stay focused on the most important things. And that um, is something from a book called Leading Me by Steve Brown. Uh, It's a really awesome book, and I highly recommend it to anyone who, especially if you're a leader or a ministry leader, but anyone, I think, can uh, definitely benefit from this book. Uh, The heart of the book is that as leaders, the most important leadership assignment that we have is how we lead ourselves, how we actually uh, allow ourselves to be shaped into the image of Christ and how we, uh, yeah, the practices that we do that sustain us as leaders over the long haul. And one of those practices I'm going to share with you today, because like I said, throughout this whole COVID crisis, it's been extremely meaningful for me to do and it's something that he calls the dashboard for life for those of you that are watching on the video you can see uh, a couple gauges here Um, it's something that I've been doing on my day of prayer which I take monthly and I'm sure we'll spend a whole podcast actually taking the time to um, to go into what a day of prayer could look like Uh, thankfully I'm at a church that allows me to take one day a month uh, and just focus that as a day with God, and so uh, I'm sure in the in the next few weeks or months, we'll we'll talk about what a day of prayer could look like, or a mini prayer retreat could look like. Um, but for now, just one of these practices that any of us can do is something called a dashboard for life. And um, essentially, what he's done is like if you look in your car, you've got the gauges that show, uh, like your gas gauge shows how much gas is left in your car, right? And uh, similarly, I think what Steve has recognized, the author of this book, is that leaders have uh, areas in our life where we can feel depleted, areas in our life where when these things are full, we function at our best, but when they're empty, we start to uh, move towards um, burnout or move towards things like depression, and we aren't really able to uh, function as our best as leaders. And so uh, what Steve recommended was to basically just make four different dashboards in four different areas of our life and uh, ask ourselves some questions and then kind of plot ourselves. Where are we on this dashboard and um, what kind of things do we need to do to move ourselves towards being full? And the four areas that he identifies, I think, are extremely um, 
they're uh, they're quite they're they're really good. They're really thorough, and um, they're very helpful. I think when we start to think in this way. And so, um, yeah, if you have a pen, feel free to write these things down. And, and I would encourage you to uh, to take some time to yeah to, to put into practice actually kind of getting a feel for where you're at. Um, another before I get into the four specifics, another important thing. I think in following Jesus and in character formation and spiritual development is um, essentially uh, <clears throat> one of the most dangerous things that we can can start to live out as leaders is to be unaware of where we're at emotionally, physically, spiritually. Uh, as, as soon as we live an unfocused life in that way, I think we can start to move into blind spots, move into areas where we uh, we don't necessarily express our leadership express our growth the way that we'd like to. And so this really, this is a tool that just really helps to, um, yeah, to focus us on what's most important and on how we're really doing inside. Um, so yeah, the first dashboard that he recommends is spiritual intimacy. Um, there's a few questions that you can ask yourself when you're thinking about spiritual intimacy. Um, is God's love really real to me? Is his love easy or is it hard to receive? Where am I finding my worth? Is it in Christ? Is it in my work? Is it in my title? What words describe my intimacy with God? Distant, fragile, neglected, real, growing, deep? Am I cultivating a rule of life or rhythm of life? Am I depending on God, myself, or other things? Is my prayer life, my life with the scriptures, alive and active? When I'm engaging in the scriptures and prayer, am I am I doing it out of ritual or out of deep relationship with God? Uh, so again, asking yourself questions like this can 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 kind of be like a, a bit of a microscope to see kind of what's going on on the inside in our relationship with God. And so um, when we ask ourselves these kind of questions, the answers that come up will reveal where we should put ourselves on that dashboard. Uh, are we full? Are we empty? And once we place ourselves there, it's important to say, what um, what might I do to, to either move towards fullness in this area of my life? And so, um, again, these practices of prayer, practices of worship, like we've been talking about, are ways to do it. Um, but there may be other ways that God's inviting you into if you're feeling like your spiritual intimacy is really low right now. The second dashboard that he recommends is character and integrity. Um some of the questions that he recommends we ask ourselves is where isn't there congruency between my public life and my private life? Is the fruit of the spirit evident in my life? Is there an aspect of my character that others shouldn't or wouldn't seek to replicate right now? Do I have people that I can tell everything about in my life? Um, Are there areas of my life where I'm hiding? Uh, What are some of the words that would describe my current reality? Defeated, stuck, struggling, transforming, pure, character and integrity. It's a really important dashboard. I think as soon as, especially in a crisis like this, and in the season of self-isolation, it's really easy for us to to kind of fall into old addictions, old habits, old patterns. And so it's really important in this season to be um, aware of where we're at in our character and our integrity who we are when no one's looking. Um, because as soon as we realize areas that we might need to grow in, we can actually take steps moving forward in growth in those areas. Uh, so that's the second dashboard is character and integrity. The third dashboard that he recommends is relational health. Relational health. Uh, 
again, the questions that help us see where we're at in this area. Can I engage in conflict in healthy ways? Do I have a fully disclosed friend, somebody that I can tell everything to be completely honest with? What does my system of relational support look like? Do I have and am I actively engaged with friends who don't have a relationship with Jesus yet? Am I making time and space for friendships that build into me and that I can also build into them? So I think those are uh, some really good questions when it comes to our relational health. And again, um, plotting yourself on the uh, on the dashboard is really important. Where are you when you when you think of these questions? Is, is this an area of emptiness or fullness in your life? Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about relational health in the podcast ahead because I think it's super important now, especially as restrictions are kind of loosening a bit in Alberta. Um, I think it's really important that we re-engage in our relationships in a really meaningful and specific way. And hopefully that we maybe put into place new practices and new habits, even as things are changing uh, in regards to our relational health. But uh, I think another question that I've thought of with relational health is, do I have a 360 um, kind of mentoring or life, uh, life giving relational network? And what I mean by that is, do I have people that are speaking into me kind of above me, mentors, people that I can, that will ask me the hard questions, people that will listen and allow me to, um, to kind of vent and be honest with, but also help, help me, um, grow because they're kind of further along in the journey. So do I have people above me? Um, do I have peer mentors, people that I meet with regularly that, um, are really, uh, so we can speak into each other's lives. We can help each other grow. We're committed to each other's walk. We're committed to seeing each other go deep and, uh, and, and really thrive in their walk with God. And uh, finally, do I have people kind of that I am helping bring up, that I am mentoring and speaking into their life? Um, I think if we have all of those things, we can have really healthy relational uh, life. And again, where are we on the dashboard of relational health? Um, the final dashboard that he recommends is desire to serve. He talks about, do I sense I am serving God through my vocation? How is Christ's example of servanthood, sacrifice, surrender, and submission expressed through my service? And how am I equipping and mobilizing others to serve? I think this one's really important for all of us, not just for pastors, not just for ministry leaders. Um, do we feel like the area of our life, where are we spending our days? Are we actually serving God? Um, are we serving our families? Are we serving the people that we interact with on a daily basis? Are we committed to and okay with uh, how we're stewarding the gifts that God's given us? I've been thinking a lot about the parable of the talents where uh, Jesus tells the story of a man who gives different amounts of talents or money to different men. And two of the three of them invest and bring back more. And one of them hides away all of the talents, all of the money. And, um, because he he didn't think that the uh, this, the master was a good person, and he was scared that if he lost any of the master's money, he'd get in trouble. Uh, but the other two servants invested it; they used it well, they used it wisely, and so I think it's really important that we are stewarding well what God's given us with our gifts, the things that He's blessed us with, and that uh, yeah, that we see um, growth in God's kingdom because of how we partner with Him in this way. And, uh, and so, yeah, again, the four dashboards are spiritual intimacy, character, integrity, relational health, and desire to serve. And I really encourage you to write those things down and kind of make a little dashboard and plot yourself out on each of them 
And out of each one of those, think, what are some ways that I can truly grow in my walk with Jesus, that I can move forward in these things, get full in these areas so that I can function out of that place of fullness in my walk with God, that I'm not just getting by, I'm not just running or leading on empty. I am moving forward in my walk with God. Uh, yeah, that reminds me of uh, one other recommendation. If you are, if you do plot out these four things and you realize you're, you're pretty empty in these areas, which I am very sorry for, I think... Um, this is a season where it'd be really, yeah, it's tough to, to stay healthy, but the reality is that we're invited to that. So if you're feeling like you're empty, a book that I really recommend is called Leading on Empty. It's by Wayne Cordero. It was really helpful for me. I read it on my sabbatical last year and I found it super helpful to, um, to, yeah, just really find some ways to restore and grow and some ways to think differently about, uh, the things that I was loading my schedule up with or filling my time with that weren't necessarily giving me life. So the two recommendations again for today are Leading Me by Steve Brown and uh, Leading on Empty by Wayne Cordero. Both amazing resources, not just for leaders, but for anyone who uh, who really wants to see all they do as ministry to Jesus. So yeah, with that, let's uh, join in on a sermon that I preached a few weeks ago. It's on the fruit of the Spirit. And my hope and prayer is that you are blessed. A lot of the content from my sermon, I got a lot of ideas from John Tyson from New York's, New York City. Uh, City Church in New York. He has an amazing pastor. He's got some amazing resources as well. Follow his podcast and his his Instagram is a super awesome resource, uh, just because he's posting all the time about ways that um, yeah ways that he's seeing God in New York City. And yeah, I really encourage you uh, again check out John Tyson. Uh, again, some of the ideas from from my sermon came from that from him. And so, yeah, I just want to give him credit. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for tuning in today. We won't do an outro. So uh, definitely, yeah, again, if you like this podcast, feel free to share it with your friends. Uh, please let others know about it. And if you have any uh, questions or things you would feel like would be really good to involve in content down the road, please let me know. Blessings on you all. And uh, welcome. Uh, it's so great to be here. It is a little weird, I'll be honest, preaching to a camera, but I know that uh, this morning uh, you're all joining us from your various living rooms, offices, wherever you are. And so thank you so much for taking the time to tune in today. Uh, before I get going, I found a little comic that I wanted to show you. It's a little small, the text, so I can read it to you. But uh, it's essentially you have a uh, caricature of the devil and a caricature of God and the devil saying, with COVID-19, I have closed your churches. And God is saying, on the contrary, I have opened one in every home. Uh, I saw that and I thought, as much as it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek at the same time, it's an amazing reality that today we, we get to be the church in our own house um, with our families. Uh, if we have a cohort family or if we're with others, we get to, to be the church, to express our worship, to enjoy being together, and even to participate in communion together. It's an amazing gift that, uh, that we still get to, to uh, worship together, even though we're in different places. And so hopefully at your church at home today, you're enjoying uh, the service this morning. Um, so I don't know about you, but one of the things that, um, that I miss a lot right now in the season is going to the movies. Not that I got to go to the movies before the pandemic happened, because we just had a new baby. But um, going to the movies is one of my favorite things to do. And I really love the movie trailers. I really love how movies start off. You know, you get to watch these, these trailers. And what's the point of a movie trailer? The point of a movie trailer is to show you the best parts of the movie uh, so that you look at, over at your friend that you're watching the movie with and you say, oh, I really want to go to that movie with my friend, right? If, if, if a movie trailer is really good, it's going to captivate you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to give you a, um, a, a reason to want to go see that other movie. 
Uh, one of the best illustrations that I've ever heard for us as the church is that we are like the movie trailer for God's kingdom. We are like the movie trailer for God's kingdom. When people see us as the church, they say, I want to go be a part of that kingdom. Um, that we as the church embody the best parts of God's kingdom. That we actually live our lives in such a way that when people see us as Christians, as followers of Christ, they say, I want to be a part of that people. And, uh, but the reality is, how do we do that? Um, because at the same time, the Bible calls us to be profoundly countercultural. Philippians 3.20 says that our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Matthew 20.25, 20, uh, Jesus is talking about how leaders will often lord authority over others. But he says, But not so with you. I came as one who serves. You are to be as those who serve. And then John 15.19, Jesus says, If you were of the world... The world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. And therefore, the world hates you. And so we have these two contrasting pictures. We, have, we, want, to be so, we want to live our lives in such a way that our, our friends who don't know Jesus yet desire to be a part of that kingdom, desire to be a part of that relationship. But at the same time, God calls us to live in a countercultural way in a way that's different from the rest of the world, in a way that reacts to things differently, in a way that treats things differently. And uh, I believe that one of the ways that, that we can live into the way of Jesus in both a way that is desirable for those who don't know him yet, but also a way that stays obedient to his word. We're not just becoming like the world to win them over. We're becoming like Christ, so the world wants to see and know Jesus as well. The way that we do that is by this, uh, we, we've already seen a really good video of it. I didn't even really need to preach because Gerilyn already basically did a lot of my sermon. But, uh, and they did an awesome job with that video. But I think the way that we are called to live our life as Christians, called to live our life as followers of Jesus, is, is understanding that this, this whole idea of the fruit of the Spirit. This whole idea of the fruit of the Spirit. And today my, my sermon is called Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit from a Countercultural Perspective. We are in a, an unprecedented pandemic. And the reality is that, that there's so many different ways that we can react to what's going on in the world. There's so many different ways that we can see what's going on and, um, and we can respond to that. And, and the reality is a lot of these ways are not what Christ invites us into as followers of him. A lot of the ways that, he, that the world may be inviting us to react and respond is not the ways that Christ is inviting us to react and respond. But as I've been thinking about the fruit of the Spirit a lot the last few weeks, one of the things that I've realized is the fruit of the Spirit is exactly what the world is looking for. The fruit of the Spirit is exactly what our friends and neighbors who may not know Jesus yet need and are craving and are longing for. And so if we posture ourselves as followers of Jesus to, to live out the fruit of the Spirit in everything that we do, I think not only will we be an amazing witness to the world, will we show the world how good Jesus is? We're also going to have an inner peace and an inner, um, I think, joy and life flowing in us as we cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Um, so, for those of you, uh, we've been doing a word of the day the last few weeks. The word of the day this this week is fruit, and so every time I say the word fruit, that is the new word of the day. So you can keep your keep your counters going. Um, it starts now. So now every other time, fruit. There's the first one. 
Again, we're invited to a countercultural way of life, cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. But I think that's exactly what the world needs. And so there's uh, a few things I want to talk about before looking at the fruit of the Spirit specifically. And the first thing is the posture that we need to have. The posture that we need to have to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Gerilyn and Annette's video already listed them off, but, but I'll just say them again for now. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And um, the way that we, we live out of the fruit of the Spirit is by abiding in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is in John 15, verse 4. And in this passage, Jesus invites his followers to something that is profoundly simple, but is, um, is profoundly important. John 15, 4 says this, Abide in me as I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What this passage tells me is that we can't actually bear the fruit of the Spirit unless we are abiding in Christ. That word abide, the Greek word is meonate. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it's meonate. And essentially the word means to not depart, to not leave, to continue to be present. Um, I love this, to maintain unbroken fellowship with. And so what Christ is inviting us into is to maintain unbroken fellowship with him. To realize that our relationship with him isn't just confined to, to uh, when we gather together or when we have church online. Our relationship with God is, is about maintaining unbroken fellowship with him. We are called to abide in Christ. I absolutely love how the Passion Translation words this verse. It says, this is Jesus, So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. And that's the invitation. That's how our life bears fruit, is by abiding in Christ Jesus. It goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, Jesus used a very strong language, very strong language in that, where he said, literally, there's nothing you can do. There's no fruit you can grow apart from me. But how do we abide in Christ? What does it look like for us to abide in Christ? I would propose that the way that we abide in Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Uh, The way that we abide in Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Um, The Holy Spirit is is a person of God. We believe that God is Father, God is Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus went up into heaven, he actually said to his disciples before he went into heaven, it's better for you that I go because I will send you the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 7. Um, I'm going to read that out here. Yeah, that is essentially what the verse says. Sorry, John 16, verse 7. But here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. And, um, and so Jesus promises to give us the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Um, but who is the Holy Spirit according to Scripture? Later in that passage, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
that passage says a lot of things that I could spend a lot of time talking about it, but I just want to highlight the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our friend, our guide, the revealer of truth. The Holy Spirit is God's very presence on the inside of us. And so as we uh, posture ourselves in abiding in Christ through the Holy Spirit, that's how we're transformed. That's how we are changed. Uh, really practically, it looks like... Um, it looks like spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer, asking God at the beginning of each day to be revealing Himself to us, at the end of each day, thanking Him for the day, and, and, and thanking Him for His presence throughout the day. It's simple as saying, God, help me be aware of you throughout the day. Help me be aware of your presence. Help me be aware of how you're at work, what you're doing throughout the day. These are just some of the simple ways that we can abide in Christ Jesus. And so that's the posture that we need to have, is abiding. Um, but the invitation, and this is where we're going to go to the text with the fruit of the Spirit, is to walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 16 to 17 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so Jesus invites us to walk by the Spirit. That word in Greek is stoixos or something like that. Stoixos. And um, essentially that word simply means a line or a rank. It means, um, it, it means to walk in step or walk in cadence with. Um, I don't know about you, but we've tried a few times on a Zoom call to do something in rhythm together or in cadence together, like reciting the Lord's Prayer. We've tried it at some of our meetings, or um, I've even seen a YouTube video of a band that was trying to do a live rehearsal on, uh, on Zoom, and as soon as they started clapping in rhythm, they, they, as soon as a second person joined in, it just completely didn't work because they were, it's impossible to keep in step over Zoom. Thankfully, we don't have to keep in step with the Holy Spirit on Zoom. Uh, we can keep in step with the Holy Spirit um, all the time because he's with us on the inside of us. Um, but what I love about this passage is that walking by the Spirit is what Paul says we are to do in order to, to not do the things we don't want to do. The way that we combat the desires of this world, the way that we combat the things that seek to pull us away from Jesus is simple, and it's walking by the Spirit. I wish I had time to talk about all of Galatians 5, but I don't. It's just such a phenomenal passage, because right before Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, he actually uh, talks about the works of the flesh. And essentially, he says, the works of the flesh are pretty obvious. Things like selfishness, things like lust, um, things like um, murder, adultery, all of these different things. Paul says, these are the works of the flesh. These are the things that if we're not walking in step with the Spirit, take root in us and start to come out of our life. But the reality is that, um, that when we walk in step with the Spirit, we don't, we don't gratify the works of the flesh. We bear the fruit of the Spirit. Um, the, uh, one of the best illustrations that I've ever heard of this is, is simple, and, uh, and it just comes from juice. So how do you get orange juice? You get orange juice by squeezing an orange, right? You squeeze the orange and juice comes out. How do you get apple juice? You squeeze the apple and apple juice comes out, right? I just had a grapefruit yesterday. It was amazing. It was so good. You know, you, you finish eating the fruit and then you squeeze out all the juice. It's just so good. So you know that the juice or the fruit comes you see it when it's squeezed. And so when you squeeze an orange juice, you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice, you squeeze an apple, you get apple juice. But what do you get when you squeeze a Christian? 
What do you get when you squeeze a follower of Jesus? When we're under pressure, when we're facing the, uh, the difficulties of this life, when we're facing something like COVID-19 and we're feeling pressed, we're feeling squeezed, what is the kind of juice, what is the kind of, of, of fruit that is coming out of us? Are we reacting to all this stress with love, with joy, with peace? Or are we, are, are we seeing that there may actually be something different that we're, we're drawing our life from? Because the reality is we're, we're always abiding in something. We're always walking by something. But the question is, are we abiding in Christ? Are we walking in step with his spirit? Uh, it's a challenging question, but I think we need to think about what kind of fruit is our life bearing right now? As we are facing the pressure, as we are facing this unprecedented season, what kind of fruit is our life bearing right now? Because the type of fruit that we bear is evidence of what we're walking in step with. And so my invitation today is simple. It's to walk in step with God's Spirit from a posture of abiding in Christ. Now let's get to the fun part, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, Again, in John 15, Jesus says that apart from me, you can do nothing. One of the amazing things about the fruit of the Spirit that that I've, I've heard and that I've read about a lot recently is that each one of the fruit of the Spirit, God is infinite in that. God is infinitely love. He is infinitely joy. He is infinitely peace. He's infinite in self-control, infinite in gentleness. And and rather than just picking one of those fruits and saying, I'm going to become more patient, I'm going to become more gentle. One of the things that I found really helpful in my life um, is, is actually to say, God, reveal this aspect of your character to me in even greater measure. And so if I'm in a season and I'm just not feeling a lot of joy, um, rather than just trying to like muster up joy inside by like thinking harder about it or something, um, saying, God, I believe that you are fullness of joy. Your word says at your right hand is fullness of joy. And so reveal that to me in this season. Reveal your joy to me in this season. Reveal your life to me in this season. God is infinite in all of these attributes. He's never going to run out of joy. And he loves to reveal them to us. And so I want to encourage you today, um, as I go through each fruit really quickly and, and contrast, I believe, the, gift, the fruit of the Spirit with the work of the flesh, to be asking God if there's one that highlights to you today, to say, God, I need, I need to know your kindness. I need to know your kindness. Reveal that to my heart so that I could actually live out of your kindness and see that fruit cultivated in my life. Again, when we abide in Christ, when we know God by his Spirit, when we experience and know these things, those things come out of us. Fruit is not how we earn salvation. So it's not like if I'm bearing the fruit of goodness in my life or the fruit of patience in my life, that's how I earn salvation. Uh, it's not like, oh, you, ha- you have to be this patient to be a Christian. No, it, it doesn't work that way. Fruit is, is proof that we are saved. Fruit is what comes out of us as we, as we again, because we're saved, we are able to live out of this. And so with that in mind, I just want to talk about each fruit and again, just kind of contrast the fruit of the Spirit with the works of the flesh. Um, And again, it's not so that we we feel guilty or feel like, oh, I've been feeling this way, but it's hopefully so that we see that as we abide in Christ, this can be an invitation to think about things a little differently, to grow a little differently. And so the first fruit of the Spirit is love. 
And one of the interesting things about uh, how Paul starts off this list is he doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are. He says the fruit of the Spirit is. And there's two, two reasons that I found for that in the different commentaries that I was reading. One is that um, love is, is actually like the fruit. Um, the, one of the authors that I was reading said, you, it's kind of like love is a prism. And as you shine Christ's light in, the rest of the fruit are the rainbow of colors that comes out of the prism. I really like that idea, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, the second reason why Paul says fruit and not fruits is because another, another reality that, um, that I've heard or read is that the fruit of the Spirit are not meant to be codependent of one another. And so it's not like, it, it's not like fruit of the Spirit is, is just patience. Like One of the commentators actually went as far to say, it, you, you expect all the fruit to grow together, and so you can't be living out of Christ's patience if you're not kind. You can't be living out, of, um, living out of gentleness if you're not self-control. And so there's kind of those two different ideas of, of why Paul says the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. And I like them both, so I thought I would just share them both with you. I'm not sure if one of them is right or not, but I, I do like both of those ideas. And so again, the fruit of the Spirit is love, is where he starts. And I want to propose that the work of the flesh that could be a temptation in this season is uh, selfishness. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love instead of selfishness. John 1 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Again, our ability to love, our ability to bear the fruit of love in our life, comes from knowing God's love. And throughout the Bible, we see this as one of the marking and most important attributes of a follower of Jesus is your life marked by God's love. Not, not, not only God's love for him, but God's love for one another and God's love for those who do not know him yet. In this season, I think it's really easy to, to get very selfish. In this season, I think it'd be very easy to, to turn to selfishness instead of love. But bearing the fruit of love, I believe, in this season, we'll see God do amazing things in and through us. One of the, uh, the, the really practical definitions of love is caring for others in a way that's not altruistic. It's not, or that is altruistic. Caring for others in a way that isn't about what we can get in return. Jesus says in, in another place that it's easy to love the people that love us back. It's easy to love the people that are going to invite us to their parties. Uh-huh. But love is, is like caring for the people that aren't going to care for us back. Um, the whole chapter of Galatians 5, where the fruit of the Spirit is, if you had to pick a theme other than walking by the Spirit, it would be love. The first thing Paul says after talking about the fruit of the Spirit has to do with how we treat one another as followers of Jesus. Love is absolutely crucial to everything we are. And again, it's rooted in God's love for us. And uh, again, if love is an area you, wanna, you, you feel like you, you want to grow in, you want to see cultivated in your life, um, I just want to read about God's love to you really quickly. And, and again, as that's revealed to your heart, the prayer is that it would manifest itself in our life as fruit. God's love is undeserved. There's nothing we can do to deserve God's love for us. God's love is steadfast. God's love is a suffering love. Jesus went to the cross for love. And God's love knows no limits. I know some of you may have a hard time believing that this morning. And so 
my prayer is that God would be revealing his love to you in deeper measure. So my, my big idea today, and I should have said this earlier, but it's that as we abide in Christ and walk by the Spirit, our life bears fruit. And so the question that I'm going to ask of each fruit is, what does that fruit look like? And the fruit of love looks like, again, not just doing what I can for others because of what they can do back, but saying, how can I love somebody in a way that um, may not expect anything in return? Um, loving others means praying for others. It means caring for others. And I think one of the most um, challenging places to love is probably right now in our own homes with the people that we are seeing every day and maybe starting to drive us crazy. Um, I know we have a, a two-year-old and sometimes it's really easy to love and sometimes we really have to, we really have to abide <laughs> in Christ. But the reality is uh, how we treat the people we see the most often Again, is that like when we're under pressure, when we're squeezed, what's coming out? Um, ask, one of the ways that, that I think about love and, and, in, and one of the ways that I've grown in loving others is simply asking God to give me his heart for others. Asking God to help me see others through his eyes. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. And it's the one I'm going to spend the most time on. Uh, the next fruit of the Spirit is joy. I'll be honest with you, joy is a, I've, I've had a really hard time thinking about how to talk about joy today. And, and the reason for that is because I think the last thing that I want to do is, is, is minimize the pain or the suffering that anyone who's watching is facing. Uh, because joy is not simply pretending that's every, that everything's okay and just kind of brushing aside all the garbage that's going on in our life and being like, oh, I'm so happy. You know, like that's not joy. Joy is an intensity of gladness. Joy doesn't always make sense. Um, joy is, is that, f- it, it, yes, it, it can be a feeling. Yes, happiness can be attached to joy. But joy is even deeper than happiness. Joy is even deeper than, um, than just putting a smile on our faces. Joy is that gladness or delight that's found outside of ourselves, outside of our circumstances, in who God is, in his promises, in what we are saved from. Joy is one of those fruits that God may be cultivating in your life right now. Um, it, I was talking about this with a friend the other day because I, really, I really have been wrestling with how to talk about joy this morning. And I was asking him, what do you think about joy? How do you, how do you see joy? And one of the things that he said is really interesting is that um, in a season of, pr- like when you're car- taking care of a tree, one of the things you need to do is prune that tree. And so if there's a branch or something that's starting to die, you may need to cut off that branch so that a healthy branch can grow in and take its place. And uh, Jesus uses this illustration of fruit and trees a lot. And so if you think about joy as a fruit, maybe if joy is not something you're experiencing right now, there could be some pruning happening in your life. Maybe your joy was being found in something apart from God. Maybe your joy was being found in, uh, in something that wasn't... Um, able to satisfy that deep need we have for joy. And so there might be a bit of pruning that happened. And so as you look to God, as you say, Lord, I want to cultivate joy in this season, um, I believe that what's going to come out of this season, it'll be even stronger than before because your joy is not going to be found in things like your finances, things like your job. Your joy is going to be found in God. I said it earlier, there's a psalm, one of my favorite verses in the psalms is, in your presence, O God, is fullness of joy. 
When our joy is found in God and what he's done and who he is, that's the type of joy that's going to stay through the seasons of COVID, through the seasons of isolation. What does our joy look like? Um, Kirsten and I have gone through uh, some pretty uh, intense seasons financially, and one of them was right after we got married. I was working as a missionary for the House of Prayer Edmonton and raising my own support. And one of the things that, um, that ended up happening in this season was um, I realized that I have so much, um, so much of my joy came from financial stability. And there were some months where we literally did not have enough money in our bank account to pay the rent check, which had been predated for the first of the month. And I remember one month in particular, we were not even close. We were probably over $1,000 behind what, what would have made that check work. <laughs> and uh, it was in that season where we, we both, we were like, we're following Jesus. We believe that he has led us here. And, and I had to say, I'm not going to find my joy in my financial stability. I'm going to find my joy in Christ. And the amazing thing is, a day before that check was going to clear or bounce, we got another check in our church mailbox. Somebody had given us a $1,000 check, and we were able to pay our rent. Again, we need, to, we need to, and again, this was unsolicited. We didn't tell anyone about what was going on. God had just put it on that person's heart. And uh, God, so God can, can work in the midst of these circumstances. But if we're finding our joy in things that are... Um, that are, excuse me, for finding our joy in things that, uh, that are fickle, that won't last or won't provide for us, then yeah, we may have a really hard time finding joy in this season. So how do we grow joy as a fruit of the Spirit in us? I believe we need to commit ourselves to worship and gratitude. One of the, uh, I've seen all over Facebook, like people are saying like, what are you thankful for? What, what is good is happening in your life right now? Um, and committing ourselves to worship. Another thing is asking God what he may be producing in us this season. That's the verse that's um, on the screen. Or that's the wrong verse. Uh, sorry about that, everyone. Um, the verse, James 1, verse 4. Or um, James 1, verse 2, sorry, is what, what it should have, I should have put there. But it's counted all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. And then it goes on to say that the joy produces steadfastness in you and steadfastness uh, will have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so we're actually commanded to have joy in the midst of our trials. And so um, one of the ways that we may find joy is by saying, God, what are you trying to produce in me right now? And as we see that, we say, I want to become that person and give me the joy to become that person. And uh, finally, I believe we can find joy in a season of difficulty when we continue to believe God to do what only he can do. That's why I shared that story of the finances earlier. Again, it's trusting that God is able to provide, trusting that he's able to do the things that only he can. The next fruit of the Spirit is peace. This one's really important. Um, peace is the fruit, and I believe the, um, the work of the flesh that we may be prone towards is anxiety. Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. One of the best definitions of anxiety that I've ever heard is picturing the future without Jesus in it. It's, it's, it's letting our hearts become so um, kind of stuck in the moment that we're in that we are unable to see how God may be at work, what he is doing in the midst of this circumstance. Peace. 
peace is what we're invited into. But, but when Paul's talking about the fruit of peace, he's not just talking about our inner world. He's also talking about how we are at peace with one another. Uh, the biblical word for peace is shalom, and it's this whole idea of how God intends things to be. And so Paul is saying, as we picture, uh, again, to, to live without anxiety, to live without allowing our life to be clouded and our thoughts to be clouded, um, <clears throat> he promises us that we would live with the fruit of peace. So how do we foster peace instead of anxiety? How do we cultivate peace instead of anxiety? Um, I think the most important and the best way to do that is to fix our eyes on Jesus. One of the names of Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And it's easy in the midst of, of the 3.30 updates every day and, and all the different things going on to just keep our eyes fixed on those things. But Jesus is saying, keep your eyes fixed on me. It doesn't mean we are unaware of what's going on. But it means that in the midst of it all, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Another way, I think, to foster peace is to know what is in our control and what is not. Um, we can get really anxious about things that we have absolutely no control over. But those are the things we need to be surrendering to God and saying, God, I have no control over this, but I trust you with it anyways. Peace instead of anxiety. The next fruit is patience instead of hurry. Romans 12 Verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Um, again, when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, this is usually the one that comes to our mind is like, oh, I need to grow in patience. I need to be more patient. I guess because we live in a world that has so much hurry in it. We're in such a hurry not only to get through things, but also just in our day-to-day -day life. We just have so much going on. Um, but Paul isn't just inviting us to, um, to have this inner disposition of, of, uh, of patience as in like, I'm okay waiting for something. Um, patience is actually a word which means forbearance or long-suffering. It's this um, ability to go through and walk through difficult seasons and not just need to get them over with, but be able to engage deeply with God in the midst of them and allow him to do the work in us, not just to rush through it. You've all, uh, we've all seen there's protests all over the place. Open up our countries, open up our states, open up our province. Um, I, I think patience would say, instead of trying to force your agenda and saying, I want it this way, God, what, can, what are you doing in me in the midst of this season? How can I actually um, posture myself to receive from you, to walk through this season with long-suffering, with forbearance, to trust that you're in control? I don't just need to get through it. I want whatever you want for me in this season to be what's produced. And so it's not only a patience with God, it's a patience with others. Again, this one is really important as we are living like with our families, many of us. Um, and, and, it, and it just, some days are long, let's be honest. But as the fruit of the patience is cultivated in us, we're able to, to bear with one another in love. We're able to uh, have time to be with one another and to invest in one another, even when it feels like uh, we're overwhelmed. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And so what does this patience look like? Again, it looks like us saying, God, what are you doing in me in this season? I'm not just going to try to rush through it, but what are you doing in me right now? And then patience with others as we are mistreated even. How are we responding and reacting? Um, and then how are we bucking this trend of hurry? Just How are we bucking this trend of just trying to load up our days, get as much done as we can, and slowing down to be with Jesus and be with others? The next fruit uh, are very similar to one another. Uh, the next fruits are kindness, goodness, 
And uh, those two fruits, again, they're very tied close together. Um, the work of the flesh that I see kind of as opposed to kindness is kindness instead of indifference. Um, Matthew 5, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. Kindness is one of those things where when we realize God's been kind to us, we extend that to other people. I'm part of a, um, a Facebook group, and one of the things that this group has been doing is just posting stories of what God's doing in neighborhoods, and somebody posted this. Uh, my work in my neighborhood has become much more public. I'm doing less Zoom and offering more prayers while walking through my neighborhood. I'm meeting new people, and they are talking much more deeply about sharing their fears and their faith. In contrast, I've heard others confessing how zoomed out they are. In fact, I've received numerous emails about how to manage this virtual work. <laughs> While I definitely have more online meetings and connections, I'm noticing that neighbors are hanging out front more, whereas previously it might have just been a quick wave. Now we're actually stopping to chat. And the chatting frequently is on a different level, not just sports. There's no sports to talk about. Or the weather. They're sharing grief, loss, lost vacations, lost work, school, cancellation of significant events. I wonder what the Spirit is up to as the space and time for being faithfully present or kind to our neighbors is before us. How might God be using our sheltered in place to invite us to be attentive to what God is already doing in our neighbors? That's God's invitation to kindness, that the fruit of kindness would abide in us. Again, goodness is a lot like kindness. Um, but I, I believe goodness is in contrast to immorality. It's, it's revealing the character and the heart of God wherever we go. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Our actions, the way that we treat one another, can actually be a reflection of God's heart wherever we go and whoever we are. Christopher Wright in his book called Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit says this, Cultivating the fruit of the Spirit is not about polishing your own halo or keeping up a good image. That sort of thing is false, and everybody can see through it. It's about making Christ visible and the gospel attractive. And so what, what, how is Christ becoming visible through us? Is the goodness of God something that flows through us? Is it a fruit that's being produced in our life? I'm going to jump to gentleness because it's, uh, it's tied very closely to goodness and kindness. But uh, gentleness, I say, in contrast to brashness. Gentleness isn't, um, isn't just uh, being a pushover. <laughs> it's not just kind of like letting people have their way with us. Gentleness is, uh, the word throughout the Bible that's tied to gentleness is humility and meekness. Meekness is power under control, strength under control. And as I was thinking about gentleness in this season, I was thinking about how we treat each other online. <laughs> One of the things that, that I've had a really hard time with is just seeing people posting things or commenting on things in really hurtful ways. Uh, either it's judging somebody for a choice that they're making, or it's assuming that somebody's not following a rule when they are, or it's, there's just so much hurtful things being said. But gentleness is saying, you know, I, I believe that, that it actually says in this passage, in your um, it says, do it with, it says uh, whenever we give a defense for the hope we have, do it with gentleness and respect. And there's another verse in Timothy that talks about when we offer um, correction to another follower of Jesus, we do it with gentleness. And so even if we, we are having to correct somebody for something, we do it in gentleness and respect, not just thinking we're better than them, but actually allowing gentleness or meekness or humility 
to be our posture, to be what flows out of us. Uh, another thing with gentleness is how, how, again, how are we responding to the people that we live with? Uh, when the people that are around us are, are ma- making mistakes or are, um, are screwing things up, like, are we responding out of gentleness or are we being brash? Are we being uh, forceful? Um, again, it was the fruit before, but faithfulness is another fruit that I want to chat a little bit about. Faithfulness instead of apathy. Uh, I think in this season, it'd be really easy to just kind of become apathetic. Just think like, oh, we'll just get through this time. And then all of a sudden we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll get back to my spiritual life when, when this is all done. <laughs> I think that's a temptation and that's the work of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. I love this promise in Revelations 2 verse 10. It says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. You may be tested for 10 days. You will have tribulation. But here's the promise. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Faithfulness is something that we're called to in every season. Being faithful to God, being faithful to uh, the people that he's calling us to be, being faithful to the commitments that we make. Not just giving in to the temptation of apathy in this season, but saying, God, I want to be faithful to you. I want to grow in faithfulness in this season. The final fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Self-control, N.T. Wright says, self-control is the one that kind of sets apart from the rest of the fruit because it's really the only one that's self-focused. But another commentator that I read actually thinks that's why Paul put it last. Um, because self-control, we, cannot, we can think like, if I try hard enough or work harder, that's how I do this. That's how I live out this life. But that's not the fruit of self-control. The fruit of self-control, again, is knowing God is, is fully in control and saying, Lord, in the midst of that, help me to live my life in a way that, that, that actually reflects who I want to be, who you want me to be. As I'm becoming like Christ, self-control is the ability to say no. It's the ability to walk by the Spirit. Um, self-control is, is the reality that we, um, <clears throat> we are not controlled by our ungodly desires. We are not controlled by our ungodly desires or things outside of us. The fruit of self-control manifests itself when we face temptation or adversity. The fruit of self-control is actually yielding our control to the Holy Spirit and saying, God, I want you to be the one who leads me, not my desires, not the flesh. Self-control instead of compromise. So what does that look like in this season? I think the fruit of self-control, again, they're all so tied together. But this may be a season in isolation where you need extra accountability for things in your life. Um, And so self-control might be as simple as finding a friend who's going to help you and walk through in areas of temptation that you may be facing. Um, Self-control is the ability to walk into a situation and not have that situation impact your internal heart, internal life. And so as things change, as things are are taken from here to there, self-control says, I'm I'm, I'm not going to let those things control me. I'm going to allow myself to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so those are the fruit of the Spirit. I've given you like the 10,000-foot view of of each of them. Um, But the big idea today is just so simple. It's as we abide in Christ and walk by the Spirit, our lives will produce lasting fruit. Abide in Christ and walk by the Spirit. That's how these things are produced in us. And and my hope today is that um, as as you've heard this invitation, there may be one or two things that really stuck out to you. And again, rather than just thinking, Kindness was highlighted to me, so I'm just going to hunker down and be more kind. 
say, no, God, reveal your kindness to me. Reveal your kindness to me in this season so that I might produce kindness in my life, in my heart. Uh, there's some questions that um, you'll be able to reflect on either with your family or on a Zoom call or with a few others, and those questions will be posted afterwards, and, and I'll give reference to those in the benediction. Um, but for now, let me pray for you, and, uh, and then we'll respond. And as well, today is communion. Abiding in Christ, uh, really, communion is the place and the context where, where that is the embodied reality that we live out. As we remember his death and resurrection uh, together, we are reminded of his presence with us in everything that we do. So let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for today, and I thank you for what you're inviting us into, God. I thank you for the fruit of the Spirit, Lord Jesus, that you are all of these things in abundance, God. I just pray for each one of my brothers and sisters watching that you would reveal your love, reveal your joy, reveal your peace, reveal your kindness, reveal your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness, your self-control. God, reveal those things to us in abundance that we would be people who aren't striving. We would be people who aren't just working or, or scratching along. We would be people that are living out of an abundance of fruitfulness, God. You said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would open ourselves up to you in such a profound way that we would be attached to you, God, that we would abide in you, God, that our lives would produce much fruit. Reveal yourself to us, even now, God, as, as we prepare our hearts for communion and as we sing this song that just is such an amazing song of surrender and asking your spirit to do the work that only you can. Thank you for what you're doing in us. In Jesus' name, amen.